0: wow, you came back. Amazing. <laughs> That's always amazing. I want you to turn to Acts chapter two. Thank you. Thank you. It's been such a wonderful day. Uh, my, the fellowship has been wonderful. Got a free meal out of the pastor. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. So, uh, appreciate it. We want to look at uh, Acts chapter two again. Thank you for uh, participating in this study uh, with me. And uh, we're looking tonight at verse uh, 25, particularly focusing on that verse. And we're going to be doing uh, verse 26 tomorrow night and then verse 27 and then verse 28. i will work a lot on outlines and uh, the outline of this whole thing uh, begins in verse 25. Tonight is called the concentration, which is a focus issue. And in verse 26 is the celebration which is a worship issue. And in verse 27 is the uh, communion, which is an intimacy issue. And in verse 28 is the communication, which spills out of the intimacy itself. So I'm anxious for the Lord to speak to all of us and myself included as we uh, get into this material. You know that Pentecost has taken place and of course all this revolves around the issue of Pentecost. The Pentecost event is given to us in verse one down through verse four and so that event is presented to us. But it isn't just an event like uh, a birthday and you have it and then you wipe your hands and that's it at the end of that. The effect of it is what is interesting and what is highlighted in the book of Acts. If you study the book of Acts to find out techniques for evangelism, you will miss it. If you just think that the book of Acts is, a, is a, an instruction manual on how to evangelize your world as the early church did, They had house churches. We should have house churches. They had this kind of church structure. We should have this. Then you've missed it. The whole book of Acts revolves around the movement of God. Everywhere you go, God is moving and doing something so phenomenal that people are astonished. And that was the whole evangelism approach of the book of Acts. And all of that began, of course, with this Pentecost event. Now, when this event happened, 120 initially received it. And there were three to 5,000 Jews hanging around saying, what on earth is going on? And Peter, moved upon by the Holy Spirit in verse 14, stood to his feet and said, I will explain this to you. And he did it in the form of a sermon. And he gave his text and then moved into the body of his sermon, which we've been trying to analyze and look at. He began with this proposition, which begins in verse 22 and goes down through verse 24. Now, the significant thing about the proposition is, is that he presents to you a sourcing issue. And I don't know what that language does to you, uh, whether that's language you use. uh, And if you want to use other language, I don't care, but get the concept. Uh, The issue of Christianity is a sourcing, producing, motivation, where does it come from, what produces it, issue. Everything that is not sourced by Jesus is a sin, regardless of how great it is, how wonderful it looks, how ph- phenomenal it seems, uh, how good it might be in the, uh, in the eyes of you, the church, the world. If it's not sourced by Jesus, it is, has to be sourced by self. So the issue of the passage is sourced by Jesus or sourced by self. Now, source self-sourcing is a demonic issue. Not that you're filled with the devil if you source yourself, but you have his nature. See, God is omnipresent, so he can fill you and he can fill me at the same time. The devil is not omnipresent. He is a created being. Therefore, he cannot source you and source me at the same time. So his nature that sources him is self-sourcing. It's independency from God. The devil, along with Adam and Eve, said, hey, we don't want to be sourced by God anymore. We want to be independent from God. And if we eat of the fruit of this tree, we will be like God. So the first sin was a sourcing decision, a decision that says, I want to be on my own. I want to do my own thing. I want to produce my own ideas. I want to live out of my own thought process. I want to operate out of myself. That's a demonic nature. The devil doesn't have to indwell you for you to have that demonic nature. We in the holiness church call that carnality. It is self-centered, self-sourcing nature. Over against that is Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused, Jesus-sourced because of the Spirit of God. So 120 have just been filled with the spirit of Jesus. And they are now going to be sourced by him. And as Jesus was sourced by the Holy Spirit, so they are now going to be sourced by the same identical spirit. So whatever was going on in Jesus, Peter says, is now going on them. And he plainly states that in verse 22. In verse 22, we talked about it in the second service this morning. He says, Jesus was sourced in his life. Look at it. Men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested, proven by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. So we discovered that miracles is the dunamis. It's the flowing nature of God, literally wowing his world and pointing back to the father because Jesus literally poiet the nature of God poiet through Jesus, painting a masterpiece of the face of the father. And he did that in your midst. That's verse 22. So the whole life of Jesus was sourced by the father. The father indwelt and merged with the man called Jesus and literally produced his image through the man called Jesus and sourced that. So everything Jesus did, he said he didn't do it. It was the father that indwelt him that did it. Now, it's really interesting because you go to verse 23, and guess what? He's not only sourced in his life. In verse 23, he is sourced in his death. Isn't that phenomenal? Let's look at this thing. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Why did Jesus die? Oh, uh, delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. So, the death of Jesus was sourced by the Father. The same source that sourced his life also sourced his death. Oh, wouldn't it be great to have your death sourced by God? Wow, driving down the road, smashed. Oh, died too young. Well, that's terrible. Oh, my. I don't want to die like that. I want my life to have eternal significance and I want my death to have eternal significance. I want my life to count for his plan and I want my death to count for his plan. I don't want to just die. I want it to be sourced by God. So his life was sourced by God, his death was sourced by God, and then you go down to verse 24 and guess what? The resurrection. His resurrection was sourced by God, for whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So his life was sourced by God, his death was sourced by God, his resurrection was sourced by God. That about covers it, folks, life, death, and resurrection. It's all that Jesus was, was literally sourced by God. Now when Peter got done explaining that, you'll note in verse he's, or verse 25 he says, for, now the for word is, is the Greek word gar, G-A-R, and it literally means for this reason or let me give you explanation. And it assumes a question. Now, there is no question being asked. So, and this is a preaching setting. So what's happening is Peter is preaching away, giving this proposition, and he looks at his crowd. And again, they look about like you. So there's this, these, 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 these face, facial expressions like, what are you talking about? Like there's questions that they want to ask. And of course, you can't ask a question during a sermon. Put your hand down. So you can't ask a question during a sermon because it's a sermon. So they couldn't ask a question. So he says, I'm going to assume your question. I'm going to assume what your questions are. And I'm going to try to answer your questions before you ask them. And he said, oh, here's how I'm going to do it. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have Jesus come up here, grab the microphone and give his own testimony about what it's like to be filled with the spirit and let him answer your question. Hey, Jesus, get up here, grab this microphone here and tell this crowd what it's like to be filled with the spirit. And he quotes a messianic psalm. Now, this thing comes right out. This is verse 25 down through verse 28. It comes right out of Psalms chapter 16. And it's a messianic psalm. Now, you know that a messianic psalm is all about Jesus. And in this particular psalm, it's as if Jesus is standing there and his lips are parting. And he's actually speaking these words to you. Giving you the explanation of what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. Telling you what's going on in the 120. So here's here's what he has to say. Look at verse 25. For David says concerning him. So he starts out by saying, hey, I'm assuming your question. And this this psalm could not possibly have been about David. (gasps) David doesn't fulfill this psalm. Well, how do you know that? Well, look at verse 29. He says, let me speak to you freely about the patriarch David. He's both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. See, this couldn't possibly be about David. Hey, right over there is his tomb. Go smell his bones, brother. See, it couldn't be about him. Just couldn't be. This is about Jesus. So Jesus is giving his testimony. And here's the first statement that Jesus makes in the Messianic Psalm. He says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Now, here's the way we want to attack this. Over here on this side, I want you to see it. It says, I foresaw the Lord. Over here on this side, Always before my face. You see it? I foresaw the Lord. Always before my face. Always before my face. I foresaw the Lord. Now, this is the content of this. If you ask, I foresaw the Lord, what does that mean? Always before my face is the explanation of this. So, if you understand this, you'll understand the content of this. So he gives this statement in order to explain this statement. So where we want to go is right over here. Always before my face. Now I want you to reach into the word my, pull it out, and squeeze before and face together so that what you have is before face. That's a translation of one Greek word. It's a prefix with a root word. The prefix on the word is in. Which is equivalent to our in? It's en, but it's equivalent to our in. In, there are three little words you use one of one of them in every sentence. It's the word from, which is a location, a relocation, movement term. He came from the room into the hall. That's a relocation. That's a movement term. There's the word into. That's a location change. It's a movement term. He went into the room from the hall. From movement into movement. Right in the middle is the word in. No movement. It's not coming in, not going out. It's fixed. It's equivalent to the idea of abide. So it's the whole concept of remaining, abiding, in, fixed. It's a fixed position. So when he says in face, it's literally fixed. It's not coming into, it's not going out of, it's fixed. And the Greek word that's translated face is literally the word that refers to the eye and the area around the eye. So it's a literal translation would be, oh, he's in my eyeball. (laughs) Isn't that phenomenal? He's in my eyeball. So Jesus gets up and says, oh, let me tell you what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. It's like God getting in your eyeball. He says he's gotten so close, I can't see anything else. He's become so real, there's nothing else going on. He's become so fixed in my eye that every time I look, I see through him that I can't see anything going on in my world except I see it through the lens of the Father. That the Father is not somebody I visit, he's somebody who's fixed himself in my vision. It's a focus deal. It's a concentration issue. It's the issue of Jesus says the Father has drawn so close to my life that my life has literally been captivated by him. He's in the middle of everything that's going on in my life. He's in the middle of everything I see. He literally colors everything that's going on in my world. He literally affects all that's happening. He's the hub around which my whole life revolves. He is literally the center point of my whole existence. Nothing is going on in my life that Jesus isn't right in the middle of because he's in my eyeball I'm trying to explain to you Pentecost what's going on in the hundred and twenty same thing that was going on in Jesus well what's going on Jesus hey Jesus get up here and testify and Jesus says oh I'll tell you what it's like to be filled with the Spirit it's like getting God in your eyeball it's a focus concentration issue Now, he moves into the rest of the statement and says, for he is, he is. Oh, I forgot to tell you about the always. He's always in my eyeball. Normally, let me tell you about that. Normally, what happens is that you can't translate word for word from one language to another. In other words, you'll have a Greek word and it'll take two, three English words to even begin to get the concept. But once in a while, that's reversed, not very often. But once in a while, that's reversed. not very often. And when it happens, whoa, it just really is exciting. So try to contain yourself, please. (laughs) Settle down now, settle down. Always is one of those times. In other words, always is a translation of two Greek words. Instead of one Greek word and two English words, you've got one Greek. You've got two Greek words and one English word. So always is a translation of two Greek words. Now, the Greek words are these through or during whole or entire. So here's what he's saying. Here's the here's the sequence. Jesus is saying all the time I'm being sourced by the father during that whole time. During that whole time? Guess what's going on? Father's in my eyeball. (laughs) During that whole time. Now the issue is, is Jesus being sourced by the Father? Therefore, the Father's in his eye or is the Father in his eye? Therefore, he's being sourced by the Father. Let's go over it again. The issue is, is Jesus being sourced by the Father? Therefore, the Father's in his eye or is it the Father's in his eye, therefore, he's being sourced by the Father? And the answer is, yes! (laughs) You can't have one without the other. So if you're going to be sourced by the Father, the natural result of that is the Father's going to be in your eye. And if you get the Father in your eye, the natural result of that is going to be you're going to be sourced by the Father. So you can't have one without the other. So Jesus is giving a testimony of this intimacy, of this oneness of being captured by the Father. It's a focus issue. Now, move to the next statement. For he is, stop right there. He is as a translation of the Greek word "to be, which probably doesn't mean anything to you, but it's the word which is a state of being. It's, it's the translation of the Moses thing. Moses is uh, in the wilderness and the bush is burning, not being consumed. And uh, Moses comes up. God says, get your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. And Moses says, well, hey, who are you? And God says, I am that I am. That's this word. It's the me word. I am. All the I am's of Jesus. This, this, this is the word. I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. All the I am the bread. All of the, all of the I am's. This is it. It's not I do. It's I am. It's not I'm going, I am. It's not I'm becoming, I am. It's a state of being. It's a focus on the individual and who he is. So do you see in the passage then, when Jesus says I'm being sourced by the Father and all the time I'm being sourced by the Father, the Father's in my eye. It's the Father who's in my eye. It's not the actions of the Father. It's not the miracles of the Father. It's not the church of the Father. It's not the doctrine of the Father. It's not the holiness of the Father. It's not the the ideas of the Father. It's not a facsimile of the Father. It's not the organization of the Father. It's not the preaching of the Father. It's the Father Himself who's in my eye. That put me on my face. (sighs) Jesus was 12. So for at least 10 years, he had been raised in Nazareth up here. Jerusalem was down here, 80 to 100 miles. So what you've got, if you want to go to Jerusalem, you've got an eight, you've got a, a five to 10 day walk. No days in, no McDonald's. And every year they went down to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. So here they are in Nazareth. The town gets together. bunch of them, a bunch of the families, you can see this, bunch of the families get together and they start on the journey down to go to Jerusalem. They do this every year. Jesus has done that for the last 10 years. Uh, the kids play. They walk all day. At night, they have a fire. Uh, roast hot dogs. Uh, s'mores. Uh, you know. wow. So Jesus is it's like going to camp meeting for the week and he meets kids down in Jerusalem from all parts of the country who'd come during that week that he never sees any other time. So they get acquainted. Oh, see you next year. Yeah. Oh, you're bigger than you were last year. Wow. And, and they play hide and seek and they know the back allies of Jerusalem now and Jesus has become acquainted and he really, this is, this is whoa. so they've come this year. He's 12. You know the story well. Because Mary and and Joseph uh, get with the group and they take off. And when they come, after a day's journey, they get together and Mary turns to Joseph and says, "Uh, where's Jesus? And Joseph looks at her and says, I thought you. And she says, I thought you. Oh, brother, we left that teenager in Jerusalem. So they slept the best they could that night, got up at the crack of dawn and walked all the way back. So that's a day out and a day back. That's two days they've been without Jesus, left him in Jerusalem. And then the Bible says they look for him for three days. That's they've been without him. The Bible says they went to the temple. Doesn't say they went to pray, but you would assume that. After scouring Jerusalem for three days, what are we going to do? Well, let's go pray. So they come to the temple to pray, walk in the front doors. Whoa, there he is. There he is. And they did the the typical parent thing. This is a direct quote. They look at this teenager and say, why have you done this to us? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) How many times have I said that? Why have you done this to us? (laughs) So after they got done with that, Jesus turned to them and he said something like this. Three days, three days, you've been looking for me in Jerusalem. Where have you been looking? Where have you been looking? Did you come into Jerusalem and say, oh, I bet he's down to the adult bookstore, probably slipped in the back door there. See, did you come into Jerusalem and say, oh, we better check out the pool hall. Probably got a fake ID. See, you've been looking for me for three days. Where on earth would you look? And then he gave the statement that you've memorized and you know well. Jesus turned to them and said, don't you know I must be about my father's Business. Now, don't get upset, but it's interesting that in the original language, the word business is not there. It's in all the translations, we've learned it from childhood all the way up, but in the original language, it's not there. Jesus said, I must be about my Father. Well, why did we put business in there? I can tell you why. Because, see, that's what I'm all about. See, I'm all about the Father's business. I'm telling you, the church is big business. We're in business, folks. We got things to do and we got to get things done and get that committee organized and make that telephone call and you better get on the phone and get that. And we got to fix that. And hey, what about the budget and who took up the offering and where and how much and what and, and who's going to preach and, and and I've got scheduling to do and I've got preaching to do and I got new sermons to get up and I got and I got and I have oh, going to and then I'm going to and then I've got and then I got to go and I'm in there and there's so-and-so's in the hospital and then, oh, 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 am I tired? Because my whole life is consumed with the business. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus was never about the business. He was about the Father. And the business got done. (laughs) Now it's the Mary and Martha thing. See Jesus had been doing a lot of preaching and, and had been a heavy schedule and he said, I'm I'm, t- I'm taking some time. I'm, I'm taking a day off. I'm going to go up to uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. Uh, I really like them. They got good popcorn. So I'm going up there. So he he, he got there about noon, no doubt. And and, and when Mary uh, Martha heard that he was coming, oh, clean the house, pull that refrigerator out, get out, of cop brother. And she's just all over the place and finally got everything cleaned up. Jesus walks in about the time she she got done. And and Jesus said, oh, house looks nice. And he went over and sat down. She got him something to drink. And Mary, can you believe this? Mary just got up out of bed. (laughs) And when she, oh, Jesus is here. And just she wiped her eyes and went right over and plopped right down in front of it and just focused on Jesus. And Martha's out in the kitchen saying, oh, I got to fix his favorite dinner. And She's peeling the potatoes. And, she, and Mary's just focused on her. I ought to have some help. I'm the only one that works around here. And can you see her? She gets a pot and a pan, goes to the door. Wham! And that'll get her attention. And oh, Mary's just... <laughs> and of course, the line that they've pulled on me all of these years is... Well, I'll tell you, yeah, we can't all be Mary's. The only reason there can be a Mary is because there's a Martha, and if it wasn't for Martha, we'd all starve to death. So the only reason you guys can be spiritual is because I do all the work around here. But, folks, I'm not buying that anymore. I'm sorry, I'm not buying that anymore. Martha's not justified, she's not jesus said mary has chosen the good part it isn't that you're bad martha but you're misfocused i'm not in your eye see the kitchen is in your eye the production is in your eye looking good is in your eye but i'm not in your eye i want to be in your eye and if you say well we'd never eat then listen i discovered meals are no problem for jesus 5,000 are fed. (laughs) Come on. So I'm not buying that anymore. See, I'm just not buying that. And I've been the Martha person. I've been the, hey, let's get it done. Let's crank it up. I'll go and we'll get, and then I'll go and then, and we'll call and 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 Jesus was never about the Father's business. He was about Oh, The father. See, I want to be captivated by him, not an organization. I want to be captivated by him, not a doctrine. I want to be captivated by him, not a, well, I'm teaching a class, and we're going to be the biggest class in the church. I want to be captivated by him, not the challenge. I want to be captivated by him, not the stardom. I want to be captivated by him, not in a career. I want to be captivated. Oh, I want him Now, look at the rest of it. For he is at my right hand. Now, at my right hand is body, is ancient language for bodyguard stuff. He's my bodyguard. See, the bodyguard was always at the right hand, it's the place of power, it's the place of ability, defense. So the bodyguard was always on the right hand. See, so you'd stand here, the bodyguard would stand here, he'd have his shield, he would cover you with his shield and he'd have his sword and he'd fight with his sword and defend you. So he'd cover you and Now, if he's standing on the left side and you're standing on the right side, now he's got, he's got the shield, he can cover you with the shield, but you got a little problem. So see, he's always, the bodyguard's always on the right side. See, that's significant in the passage because he says, oh, don't you understand what's going on? The Father, all the time the Father is sourcing me, Jesus says, the Father's in my eye. And all the time the Father's in my eye, it's the Father himself who's in my eye. Not the work of the Father, not the miracles of the Father, not what I'm going to get from the Father, not the heaven of the Father, not the doctrine of the Father. It's the Father who's in my eye. And you know what he's doing in my eye? He is defending me. What's he defending me from? Oh, look at it. Verse 25. For he is at my right hand, that purpose clause. Here's the purpose of him being in my eye and being at my right hand in defense. He's defending me. What's he defending me from? That I may not be shaken. Now the word shaken there is the Greek word for waver or distracted. hey we're just people I know that we all get distracted yeah I got you Uh, somebody down front while I'm preaching uh, has a problem so they get up and walk out and what do you guys do you watch them (laughs) well what am I supposed to do while you're doing that because you're all distracted so I could come and sit down until you begin to pay attention again, but I can't do that. So I just stand here and I just, I just tread water. I back up, I restate, I go around in circles. I just kind of maintain until about five minutes goes by and oh, you're all back. Woo, away we go again. And then in about 10 minutes, they come back in. Whoa. And you watch them. <laughs> and so five minutes is gone again. I just tread water. And then you come up to me and say, why do you preach so long? <laughs> If you would pay attention, (laughs) I shouldn't tell you these things yet. (laughs) We're having way too much fun. This lady came up to me after a service and said, I didn't hear a thing you said tonight. And I said, well, whoa. She said, I'll tell you why. She said, you know, the chandelier that was right over by your left side. I said, yeah. She said, there was this huge cobweb just hanging down. And it was just blowing in the breeze of the the air conditioning. And I just. Isn't it it really a little sick that your focus on Jesus can be just wiped out by a cobweb? See, one cobweb, I'm gone. Whoa. Whoa. If that's true when you're sitting in church, what would it be like out there when you got flat tires and squalling kids and you got pain in your elbow and you got dinner to fix and you got dishes to wash and you got and you got and you got and you got? How on earth, dear people, are, am I going to stay focused? Well, discipline yourself. I've tried that. It doesn't work. Well, how are you going to stay focused? He says, I'll tell you. The Father's in my eye. And the reason the Father is in my eye, one of the benefits of the Father being in my eye is He Himself is in my eye. And when He Himself is in my eye, His very presence is the defense that keeps me from all distraction. And it's not a result of, I'm going to concentrate on Jesus. It's not, I'm going to discipline myself and get it done. It's that, oh, I've been so captured. He is so big. He is so phenomenal that he has literally captured me. And literally everything else is shrunk in, its, in proportion. And everything else has gotten smaller and doesn't matter as much because he has literally sucked me in. And I've become absolutely focused on his person. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, this young man went to college, probably Mount Vernon. So uh, when he got there, he went to this class, and oh, he saw her. Oh, it's the big one. <laughs> uh, what's her name? Is she available? Where is she from? What classes is she taking? I'm going to sign up. So finally he gets an introduction to her. They talk a little bit. He sets up a date. She goes with him on a date. The next thing you know, he's texting her. The next thing you know, he's calling her. He sets up another date. And the progression is the more he sees her, The more he loves her, the more he loves her, the more he wants to see her. And the more he wants to see her, the more he sees her. And the more he sees her, the more he loves her. The more he loves her, the more he wants to see her. And the old boy's being sucked in! (laughs) Now, you don't have to go up to him and say, there's all kinds of other girls on campus. He's, Poor illustration. That's this. In other words, Jesus himself gets in my eye and he is so huge. He is so phenomenal. He is so that he just wards off all the other everything else just and he's just sucking me in. And I really thought, ladies and gentlemen, by this time in my life I would mellow. getting worse I'm yelling more I'm having a harder time standing still and my face doesn't have to get red I don't have to say to you embarrassed well this might work in your life try it because he is so huge. He is so phenomenal. If you ever see him, if you and him ever get together, if he ever gets in your eye, you will be captured. Amen. And you will feel exactly like the Apostle Paul. I count all things as loss. It's rubbish, brother. Everything is rubbish compared to this one thing that I might know him. I'm trying to explain Pentecost to you. 120 got filled with the Spirit. What on earth is going on with them? Peter stands up and says, I want to explain it to you. It's a sourcing issue. What's going on in them is the same identical thing that was going on in a man called Jesus. So what's sourcing them now, it was sourcing Jesus. So the same spirit of God that was in Jesus is now in them, sourcing them as it sourced Jesus. Well, what, what's that all about? Well, get up here, Jesus, and talk to us about it. Jesus said, oh, let me tell you what it's like. All the time I was being sourced in, by the Father in my, in my life, all the time I was being sourced by the Father in my death, all the time I was being sourced by the Father in my resurrection, direction all that time, all that time, during that whole time, oh, the father was in my eye. He captured me. He became so real in my eyesight. He became the contact lens through which I just literally see everything. He just colors everything in my existence and everything takes on his shape and has his image about it. And everything is going on. Somehow he's in the middle of everything that's going on in my life because he's literally captured me. And it's not the business of the father. It's not the, the, the church of the father. It's not the ministry of the Father. It's not the preaching of the Father. It's not the miracles of the Father. It's not what the Father can do for me. It's not the free meals of the Father. It's the Father himself. He's so big. He's just captured me. And in capturing me, he's just become so huge in my eyesight that all the distractions that would, the cobwebs of life that would just, that just distract me just kind of go away. They just shrink. They're just so non-significant in light of whoa. Uh, Jesus, I, I, I should have quit this sermon about 10 minutes ago and gone to the altar because I've been about the business. I'd tack on statements like, well, it's all for Jesus. But it was all about position in the church. Ministerial careers. Scheduling, preaching. And none of it was bad, God. None of it was bad. And the Lord, the reason I know that happens to us is because we get mad. See, you're not in our eye. The Sunday school class is in our eye. And when somebody tries to split our class, we get mad. Well, why would we get mad if you were in our eye? see we have the music program in our eye and when they won't let me sing when I want to then I, then I get all upset. Why? Because it's music that's in my eye. It's not you in my eye. Why does it bother me when they spell my name wrong in the bulletin? Because you're not in my eye. So I've got all of this stuff in my eyeball which end up being cobwebs. Now, I don't know what you need to do to me tonight, but I would be very grateful. if you would just appear, if you would just come in such oh, not your influence, not the force at Star Wars, not the force. I want you, Jesus, I want you, the person, you, Jesus to captivate me. I don't want the faith of my father. I want you. I don't want what my dad taught me. I want you. Sometimes, someplace, God, this is going to have to be you and me. Not about what the church taught me. Not about what I've been raised in. Not about someplace, somewhere, I'm going to have to step into the reality of, oh, you are there. And you, you, it's you, Jesus. You and me. And it's no longer tradition and it's no longer the way I've always lived and it's no longer how I was raised and it's no longer well I think these probably things are alright it's no longer laws and rules it's, it's, it's you. you, you've captured me. And I'm so in love with you and you have so overwhelmed me that cobwebs just don't So what do you need to do in my life to get that done? Do it tonight in my heart. Do it tonight in my heart. Capture me. With yourself. Heads are bowed. I know. I was at the altar this morning. And if it fends you, I'm sorry. I don't mean to but I got to go again tonight (laughs) because I want him and I'm sick of cobwebs and I'm sick of any fluctuation in my intimacy with him. I'm sick of good days and bad days and my attitude reflecting them. ladies and gentlemen I'm not going to wear myself out for the church I'm going to wear myself out for Jesus who put me in the church and frankly you the church can't run me off I'm here to stay why Jesus put me here so it doesn't matter what you do because my focus is on him Jesus, get in my eye, I pray thee. Moments of seeking, moments of seeking. Again, maybe you can't kneel, that's fine. Come and stand. Maybe you can't stand, sit in the front seat. But is he in your eye?